Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. NCAA champion set to join the WWE. AEW announces name for their first non-televised event, and I take you through the best and worst on the mic right now. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. Let's get right into our news. NCAA wrestling champion Gable Stevenson says he's going to be the biggest WWE star ever. The University of Minnesota Junior is the reigning NCAA Division I national champion, a two-time Big Ten Conference champion, and a two-time All-American out of the University of Minnesota. Stevenson's brother, Bobby, is currently training at the WWE Performance Center, and Paul Heyman has also stated before that Stevenson's brother could be a future WrestleMania headliner. Uh, they're uh, they're setting up for a big announcement coming up today from Gable Stevenson, and uh, I'll keep you updated on what it is. But odds are, since that uh, Stevenson Gable Stevenson came out and said that he uh, in a tweet that he's going to be the biggest WWE star ever, it's fair to assume that he, much like his brother Bobby, is also set to join the WWE Performance Center, which should be very very fun, especially given the talent that he holds in uh, uh, in real wrestling on the mat for the NCAA. AEW announces the name for the first non-televised event. Uh, AEW, uh, they're having a non-televised event coming up on April 9th called The House Always Wins. Once again, referring back to their gambling references, as we always see. Uh, we have Double or Nothing, and now The House Always Wins. Uh, the show is happening at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. The current card looks like this. AEW World Champion Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa will take on Mike Seidel and Matt Seidel, Seidel brothers. AEW World Tag Team Champions The Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler will take on Pac, Ray Phoenix, and Pentazel Amero. And Cody Rhodes will face Ethan Page. This is a match I want to see on Dynamite, not on a house show that I can't even watch. Come on, I'm dying for that match, Cody Rhodes versus Ethan Page. And what is the luck? This guy has no luck, Ethan Page. Uh, AEW TNT Champion Darby Allen will defend against an opponent to be announced and also scheduled AEW world champion, a women's world champion, Akaro Shida, Britt Baker, Jade Cargill, Orange Cassie, The Pinnacle, and more. They're all being appeared on the uh, like the poster for this show. It, I don't even know why I'm talking about this so much, but I think it's such a big deal for AEW and honestly the world of professional wrestling proving that they, they're putting on events that they don't have to put on. This is a non-televised event. They don't have to do this, especially during COVID-19, but they are. So they're moving in a direction that I think we would like to see the rest of the world move in and the rest of the, at least the pro wrestling world move in at that, where we're trying to get back to a sense of normal, normalcy because this is just only for the fans that are in the stadium. It is only for the fans that are in Daly's place. This isn't for us that are, are aren't able to go to that. You know, if you're lucky enough to live in Jacksonville and find your way down to AEW in Daly's place, all the more power to you. But unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to go to this event because I'm in upstate New York. So obviously a different uh, reaction there. But uh, I'm very excited to see what AEW does going forward if they're going to decide to put on more house shows if this one goes off successful I'm hoping that we get to see the res- we're obviously going to be able to hear the results of this but uh, it's a shame that uh, Cody Rhodes versus Ethan Page this is a match that I'm dying to see absolutely dying to see and the, the fact that it's going to be on a house show very disappointing 
very disappointing, but I digress. We're going to get right into our best and worst on the mic, but first, let us thank our sponsor, Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. We have an exclusive offer for my listeners, 20% off, plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That is FANSIDED20, all caps, at manscaped.com at checkout. I'm lacking confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Let's start off with the best on the mic right now. I'm going to give you an easy answer. I'm going to give you an answer no one wants to hear. I'm going to give you an underrated answer on the mic and it might not be super duper underrated anymore but at one point I feel like it was and we're going to get to that in a little bit. But let's just talk about what it means to be on the mic in professional wrestling right now. Uh, It's one of the most important tools you can use both on camera, on uh, the actual TV screen, when you're watching your actual programming like you're watching Monday Night Raw, you're watching AEW, or you're watching uh, NXT or whatever, uh, you, this is what you're using to get yourself over from a speaking standpoint. And also being able to talk uh, in segments that are off television and behind the scenes, if you will, or supplemental stuff like Talking Smack, Raw Talk, Being the Elite, all the stuff like that. Uh, well, all that really just helps you get you over in the supplemental sense for people that want that extra content. It's there for them. But let's start with the easy answer right now. The best on the mic right now in professional wrestling. I'm giving it to MJF. I think that's the very easy and simple answer. And an answer that not a lot of people are going to be mad about or really debate about against. Because he is undoubtedly one of the best, if not the best, at uh, cutting a promo or getting some heel heat or whatever he needs to uh, in that sense. Uh, he is one of the best at doing it, hands down. And funny enough, he's only been on national TV for about a year now. And it's already considered to be one of the best heels in professional wrestling today. To be on national TV for a little over a year, it's absolutely stunning on what he is able to do on the microphone for AEW, one of the best and honestly one of the only true homegrown talent from AEW. Everybody else that we see doing great things and major things in AEW either made their name in WWE or overseas in New Japan. So for him to really make his mark on AEW and being the one that pretty much is AEW's homegrown guy, uh, you can only look at that and say, wow, he is some next level stuff and it truly, truly is. Truly, truly is. And what makes him so special is his ability to gain legitimate heel heat from fans due to his ruthless remarks and his delivery. And no matter what he says on the microphone, even if the most markiest of fans are fans that are just, you know, so jaded that they feel that there's some genuine passion coming from not only MJF, but coming from themselves after reacting to what he's saying. Uh, he, he just makes wrestling fun from that standpoint because we haven't really seen a heel like him deliver so well in such a long time that it feels it's a refreshing sense of you know he's better than you and you know it uh he does that better than nobody else and he also always stays in character even on social media even in interviews he always stays in character never see him break it and he has no fear going forward because his booking has been great in AEW they rarely ever have him lose singles matches if ever and the matches that he does lose it's in tag team action and even though it goes on his AEW record if you will uh, it doesn't really affect him in singles because everyone knows what he can do in the ring I'll never forget the match that he had with uh, uh, Jungle Boy 
I believe that was at uh, the Double or Nothing. And it, that was absolutely fantastic. They put on a clinic in a match that not a lot of people thought that were going to be some top-notch stuff, especially on that card. But it really was. It was one of the greatest matches I've seen come from AEW was that Jungle Boy MJF match because they put on a fantastic, fantastic show. But that's talking about him in the ring, outside the ring, and on that microphone. I don't think anyone, anyone stands toe-to-toe with him ever. It's going to be very, very difficult to find someone in AEW to be able to stand toe-to-toe with him on the microphone. The only other person that might be is Jericho, but he's coming from a completely different perspective, Chris Jericho, than uh, MJF. Way different uh, paths, obviously, and uh, MJF being very, very young in his wrestling career and Chris Jericho towards the end. Uh, we can already see where MJF is headed in his career tra- trajectory because it's no- nothing but up from here. Nothing but up. But enough praise about MJF. Let's move on to an answer that no one wants to hear. An answer that might make you squirm, but you can't deny his talent on the microphone. I'm going with The Miz. Uh, I don't get the stigma when everyone's talking about The Miz and uh, what, what they say about him. And you know, I understand where he started and where he came from, and but he's only used that to his advantage. He's coming from uh, being pretty much a reality star and then finding his way over to the WWE. Uh, people said, and he, he even says it himself, that he would have been fired, in, that, that people were saying that he would have been fired in three months after he made his WWE debut. And look where he is now, a two-time Grand Slam champion. So I think that he has done nothing but make himself uh, indisposable by the WWE. He has to be there for year in and year out because he has just been a nonstop worker. He's been a fantastic person to carry the WWE flag wherever he goes and one of the best to do so in company history. Uh, You know, you could talk about Cena and you could talk about uh, whoever you want to talk about carrying that WWE flag. I think, you know, The Rock. But The Miz... Not only has he been able to do movies and, you know, host television shows and even has his own reality show, but when has he ever taken a break from the WWE? You know, how long has he ever really spent time away from the company? But this is me talking about The Miz as a a person, as a whole, but not really about his mic work. But let me get into that right now. Uh, When he goes on that microphone, it feels genuine at times. You feel that coming from his heart, especially during his very brief WWE title reign. And even before that, him with that Money in the Bank briefcase was deadly because not only was he talking game, but he was trying his best to back it up in the ring, even though WWE's booking didn't really allow that. Uh, You could feel... There's moments in his promos where he goes from jokey, jokey, uh, funny time with with Morrison, to flipping a switch to a more serious sense, and you could f- almost feel like it guttural, uh, like his emotions coming from a guttural sense where where he's expressing it onto the other person, uh, in the promo in an argument, it really yelling at a person, but in a genuine uh, emotion. I I felt this all the way back in, in the summer of of last year where he would cut promos against other tag teams when he was running with Miz and Morrison. He, you know, he was really, really, really good. Uh, you look at the Miz and what he's able to do on that microphone, and you realize that WWE holds a lot of trust in him as well 
because they do pair him up with Bad Bunny. Because Bad Bunny, you know, he barely speaks a lot of English at that. So you pair him with a person that has great mic skills like The Miz, it's going to be able to support Bad Bunny in that sense. In a way that, you know, The Miz can do a lot of the carrying of the promo work and the storytelling while Bad Bunny just has to be there and be that celebrity face that's going to be able to battle The Miz at WrestleMania. Once again, a lot of people are uh, either happy or sad about it. Some people are sad about it because Damian Priest, but there are injuries involved with Damian Priest and Morrison making this now a singles match. Uh, that is the the word on the street, if you will, and I, I believe it's it's confirmed at this point. But that that's what's making this a singles match between Miz and Bad Bunny. But I'm not really against it at this point, given that it's a two night WrestleMania. But either way, looking at the Miz and his mic work, uh, the way that he's able to flip a squid uh, switch, and you look at his acting skills, he really carries that over into the wrestling ring and into that microphone work when he's cutting promos to open a show or on Miz TV. I love his Miz TV stuff because every time he has a guest on, he is able to flip that switch and get into a serious portion of, of someone's career, like looking at Big E, for example, and you know saying that you have to drop the, the silly gimmick to, to move on and really promote yourself and make yourself into that next level, much like The Miz believes he was able to do himself. So when you feel like that, there's so much honesty there, and he makes it feel like it's genuine, with the way that he speaks and the way he looks into the camera and the way he, he looks at another person, you really got to give him a lot of credit for what he's able to do. And it might not be an answer you want to you want to hear, but it might be an answer that you need to hear because the Miz definitely definitely holds his own no matter who he's going against uh, when it comes down to uh, working with the microphone. Underrated on the mic, I'm going with Sami Zayn here. Uh, has been doing fantastic work on the microphone these past few months, uh, especially after his return from his COVID-19 hiatus. He didn't have COVID-19, just stepped away from the WWE because he didn't want to be a part of that original run, but I get it. And, and you know, people were promised that uh, you could leave and your spot would be retained, and it pretty much was as he left as the Intercontinental Champion. They vacated it, and when he came back, he became Intercontinental Champion again in a fantastic storyline with Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles. If you listen to yesterday's episode, I had their triple threat match on the top 10 list for the greatest triple threat matches ever for the WWE and that's how good his return was uh, his character is very unique and very reminiscent of the social justice personalities around the internet uh, we saw uh, in re recent months uh, the world changing uh, from uh, an awareness perspective of what's going on in the world around us and Sami Zayn brought that type of idea into the WWE, making the sense of WWE being the ones that are, are the conspiracy, uh, you know, starting the conspiracy uh, that the WWE is against Sami Zayn. And for him to go in that light, I feel like it was very, very smart for him because he's able to take the real world aspect and real world aspects that he truly cares about into the WWE, flip it into a fun WWE sense, and has ran with it ever since. And every time he's on that microphone, uh, you, you get an understanding of where he's coming from. And I wouldn't say there's a type of genuine aspect to it, but there's a genuine aspect to his sense of you feel like this character is coming from his heart. This character is not something that has been posted upon him by creative. This is this is a character that he wanted to do and a character that he is moving forward with in a way that not a lot of people are able to pull off if it's not uh, coming from their heart. And I feel like it's coming from his heart with Sami Zayn. Uh, on the microphone, we've seen him recently with Kevin Owens and what he was, is able to do with him. Uh, I, once again, that trust factor of moving in a direction 
of uh, bringing celebrities into the WWE. We're seeing coming up this Friday on uh, SmackDown, uh, Logan Paul is supposed to be making his way there. Uh, whether that's going to be in person or over Zoom, uh, we don't know yet, But or, or over a video sense, we don't know yet. But uh, who better to trust than Sami Zayn, someone that has held their home on the microphone for years and years, and that, once again, not given a lot of credit for what he's able to do. Once again, never de- denying his in-ring talent either, someone that is on a, a next level when it comes down to that, but his microphone work really has improved drastically, especially after his return from uh, the COVID-19 hiatus, uh, for him to start that documentary idea as well and uh, for now to be the quote-unquote uh, uh, premiere of it that's the word <laughs> the, at the premiere of it uh, it's really nice to see and I hope to continue to see him on the microphone more and more each week and even when he goes on commentary the, I, I think that's rare you really see people uh, get their salt if you will improve their metal because uh, it's not that point it's not really a script is handed to you you're the one giving your analysis and giving uh, your your genuine promo work and Sami Zayn always always shows out when he's on commentary we're going to head into the break but when we come back I'm going to give you some of the worst on the mic right now I'm going to give you once again an easy answer an answer no one wants to hear and one answer that I'm probably going to get yelled at for on Twitter so be prepared to that something you're not going to want to miss so stick with us right here on the daily DDT podcast on this day in pro wrestling history, on March 28, 1979, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation dropped the wide part and officially becomes the World Wrestling Federation or the WWF. On March 28, 1987, WWF presented WrestleMania 3 from the Pontiac Silverdome in Pontiac, Michigan. WrestleMania 3 considered to be the peak of the 1980s wrestling boom and generate a lot of money for the uh, WWF then, $3.3 million in today's money, along with uh, another $22.2 million in uh, pay-per-view sales as well. Uh, Both records for professional wrestling at the time. Ricky Steamboat defeated Randy Savage to win the WWF Intercontinental Championship, and the most infamous match, or I guess you can call it infamous, Hulk Hogan defeating Andre the Giant to retain the WWF Championship. Uh, the loss was billed as the first time Andre was defeated by pinfall. Also, it was the slam that was heard around the world. Uh, this is a good match to show somebody uh, that is starting to get into professional wrestling. Uh, you know, that they, they have an idea of the slight history of it. They know who Hulk Hogan is. They know who Andre the Giant is. And if you really want to show them an old match, this is one of the most easiest matches to find out there and it, it's simple storytelling uh, even though it's been heavily criticized throughout years and years and years of professional wrestling by a lot of critics uh, you, you go back to the casual fan and what would they think about it I think it's the perfect you know it's uh, the immovable object versus the unstoppable force so you know you, you put those two together and you have like a match made in heaven uh, with these two, you know, behemoths and giants of the wrestling world at the time. And it's, I think there's no better way to show someone than showing them that Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant match. And then if you want to get even more in-depth, then you could also show them the Ricky Steamboat, Randy Savage match because that was now considered, you know, a, I wouldn't call it a technical masterpiece, but a, a wrestling match that you look back on and still holds up today. Not a lot of people say the Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant matchup holds up today, but it, for the time, it told a completely different story. You know, it, this, this was a match that was culminating for a long time. 
On March 28, 1998, WWF presented WrestleMania 14 from the Fleet Center in Boston, Massachusetts. WrestleMania 14 often cited as the beginning of the Attitude Era. Uh, that that is floated around as well. The beginning of the Attitude Era. You can mark a couple spots for that, but. I'm not sure. You, you you can mark a couple spots for the beginning of the Attitude Era. You can re- mark this WrestleMania. You can mark uh, WrestleMania 13, the end of that, uh, with Austin uh, bleeding out, bleeding out, and, and passing out to not only lose but turn babyface in the eyes of the crowd, turning Bret Hart uh, heel. You can also look at the John uh, with the Austin 316 quote, you know, the at the King of the Ring. So you can go with that as well. A lot of it revol- revolving around Stone Cold Steve Austin, but you, you can go multiple directions about it and where the start of the Attitude Era is. But you know, it's around this time. It's this type of idea that I don't think there's ever going to be a definitive point that a lot of people can. Uh, point out on. Uh, Triple H defeated Owen Hart to retain the WWF European Championship. The Undertaker defeated Kane and Stone Cold Steve Austin defeated Shawn Michaels to win the WWF Championship. Mike Tyson was a special enforcer but was the one that counted the pinfall. On March 28, 2015, WWE presented WrestleMania 31 from Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California. Uh, Dang O'Brien defeated Bad News Barrett, Dean Ambrose, R-Truth, Luke Harper, Duff Ziggler, and Stardust in a ladder match to win the WWE Intercontinental Championship. A fantastic ladder match if you ever have the chance to go back and watch. Randy Orton versus uh, Seth Rollins in a fantastic spot where Seth Rollins going for a curb stomp, launched in the air, and then RKO'd by Randy Orton to lose the match, and Randy Orton picking up the win. Uh, the I, I, I Infamous, this is another infamous match, Triple H versus Sting, and a famous match because... I. I believe this is Sting's debut in the WWE when it comes down to uh, an in-ring match or in-ring action, but also lost to Triple H. You know, you bring a guy in, but then to lose to Triple H, you know, it's just classic WWE, never going to let the WCW guy get that that over on him, if you will. Uh, John Cena defeating Rusev to win the WWE United States Championship. This is also the match that Rusev had his entrance on a tank, which was fantastic one of the greatest wrestlemania entrances of all time uh, that's another good list i might be able to do going down to the future and rusev probably is on that list with that entrance at wrestlemania 31 on a tank unbelievable undertaker defeating bray wyatt this was undertaker's first wrestlemania match after uh, losing to brock lesnar at wrestlemania 30 to lose uh, the streak and the main event uh, seth rollins defeating brock lesnar and roman reigns in a triple threat match to win the wwe championship this is also when seth rollins cashed in the money in the bank briefcase to make it a triple threat match and then run out with the belt as uh, vic- the victorious winner in that one uh, swinging the belt above his head i talked about this match multiple times I even talked about it in yesterday's episode of the podcast as that match does rank for me in the uh believe in the top 10 of the greatest triple threat matches of all time definitely there that match now let's get into the worst on the mic right now easy and simple answer i'm not going to really get too much into this but it's just a simple answer right now as it currently stands shane mcmahon and braun Strowman. they're the worst on the microphone right now but you have to hear me out here a little bit then you're gonna have to hear me out later with these next two because i feel like i'm gonna get my head ripped off but it needs to be said it needs to be said but let's do it with the easy one and and we take our medicine slowly uh, this might be a newer entry onto the list but these two together is just not the best idea right now a shame 
McMahon's heavy breathing and lip smacking on the microphone doesn't help along with Braun Strowman screaming into the microphone as well. It's just not a match that's made in heaven like I've talked about previously. Uh, you look at what wrestlers are able to do on the microphone and you have to think that what is going to be able to match up best one guy that's strong on the microphone one guy that's a little weaker on the microphone is it going to be uh, an idea of having two guys that are very strong in the microphone and that what builds up the show but two guys that are weak on the microphone need someone in there that's going to help them go along a little bit further this was best shown by Braun Strowman as he has improved tremendously on the microphone I will say that but that came after working in his most recent story with Bray Wyatt in 2020. A shame how far both have fallen, uh, Shane McMahon and Braun Strowman. Strowman needs a strong mic with him at all times. Shane McMahon is just not the strong mic. If anything, it's a very, very weak mic. And if anything, Braun Strowman is trying to lift up Shane McMahon because that's how bad I feel Shane McMahon has been on the mic recently. It's just these two together are just not it. It's just not what you want to see on Monday Night Raw. I don't think anybody wants to see this on Monday Night Raw, to be honest with you. We're excited for a match between these two, and we're going to see that at WrestleMania just because of what Shane McMahon is able to do bump-wise in the ring. He's willing to jump off a high thing and land on a guy. You know, that, that that's all we're excited to see him jump off something high. But... Uh, with as it stands right now with Braun Strowman, we know that he has a glimpse of potential, especially with what he was able to do with Bray Wyatt. It's just he it hasn't been able to translate uh, going forward. It just really has been a tough, tough go. An answer no one wants to hear. All right, let, let me get my my Twitter thumbs ready because I know I'm going to hear hear it a lot after this one. But Kenny Omega, he might be one of the worst on the mic right now. But you have to hear me out throughout this whole thing so you can get a full understanding of what I'm trying to say. So you don't yell at me just yet. Don't don't click away. Don't go on the Twitter just yet. You have to understand my full thought here. Uh, this is what I will say. When Kenny Omega is focused on making a point, he's golden. He's very good on the mic when he's focused on making a singular point on what he needs to say. However... Omega usually rolls off the tracks muttering whatever comes to mind and often finds himself conflicting himself with Don Callis. And I'm also never going to deny Kenny Omega's in-ring work. This isn't what it's about. It's about what he's able to do on the microphone. Uh, I just think when he's focused on making a point, like the other night he, he on Impact, he said a fantastic quote, a fantastic quote on how the, the night that he joined Impact Wrestling was the greatest night in Impact history. But for himself, Kenny Omega, it was just another Tuesday in the office. That was fantastic. That was great. But how long did it take for him to get to that sentence? For him just to ramble and talk about whatever on Impact uh, for, it felt like a, a, a seven-minute segment, a ten-minute segment. How long did it take for him to get to that point? That's what bothers me the most here, that it took him a long time to reach that great moment. And it almost you almost miss it if you're not listening and you almost tune it away. Another thing with Kenny Omega, and this also goes along with Don Callis here, his skit segments with Don Callis, you know, the ones I'm talking about on AEW, the kids at the elementary school uh, and him reading the book to them, and also another one with uh, him... Uh, building the 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 Omega the the Omega excuse me the Moxley uh, like elimination thing or whatever they wanted to call it that was just terrible for AEW Revolution. Those segments were so useless 
And honestly, I, I've talked about it before. I'll talk about it again. Uh, those were just better produced Impact Wrestling skits. Like they they were better produced because they were on AEW. We had AEW talent better producing it in a producer role. But it it was just pointless. And, and it was honestly, you know, you talk look at a skit segment and you think it's either good, mediocre, and, and you know, there's no reason to see it, or it's bad. I thought those seconds were just really, really, really bad because what did they accomplish? They didn't accomplish much. If they got me talking about Omega, the only reason they had me talking is because of how poorly I thought he did in those segments because there wasn't really a true story being told there in both of those segments either. It was just him, you know, doing something with with the kids and reading a book to them and reading a blurb out of a book that honestly made no sense to the story along with uh, him building the uh, elimination thing for John Moxley that also made no sense either going into AEW Revolution because I don't know I just I didn't really get Omega um, what he's able to do but uh, I expect a lot from him and he does deliver a good quote here or there as I mentioned but he fails to wow me often and for an AEW champion and for a champion that's going to be supposedly holding all the gold in the world at this point the Thanos of of wrestling of the wrestling world uh, I need him to better perform on the microphone. I just need him to focus. I just need him to focus. If you have, you have a good thing to say, I just want you to say that. Don't need to say everything else. That That's what really gets me. And here's the one I'm going to get yelled at for talking about. This is the one where I'm prepared on Twitter to hear the rain fire in my DMs and in my mentions. And uh, don't, don't be afraid to at me, Jaden Becker TV. I'm ready to talk about it with you. I'm here for you with that. But I feel like it needs to be said. I feel like it needs to be said. And here we go. One I'm going to get yelled at for talking about. Big E. And the potential is there. It isn't about what he's saying. It's about how he is saying it or his delivery. Uh, what bothers me the most about Big E is his 100 to 100 attitude. Throughout the whole promo, he's always set to a level 11. He's always at that top-notch level that doesn't really come through the TV as intimidating or fearful. It comes through kind of as crazy or insane, which I don't think is, if that's what Biggie's going for, he's nailing it right in the head for me. If, if he's going for crazy and insane, he has that knockdown. But if he's going for an intimidating figure or someone that should be feared, I'm not really getting that yet. I want him, I have no problem with him at his 100 level. I just can't have that throughout the whole segment. Remember the Apollo Crews segment that he was having uh, with where they ended up actually having a, a, a battle in, in uh, Tropicana, but it was like a split screen interview? Throughout the whole thing, throughout the whole thing, if you go back and watch it, he was set at 100 as soon as the first question was asked. He was ready to rip Apollo Crews' head off, but for what? I understand that he put him out of commission, but it would have been better served if he started from, let's say, a level, if you're going from 0 to 100, start at level 10 and start cranking it up so we get the build as well instead of you just jumping at me on my television screen. That's the one thing with Big E. And it, it, once again, it's not about what he's saying. What he's saying is, is very good in his promo. So he's, you know, he's, he's about to go gospel on Apollo Crews. But imagine he starts building up instead of, instead of, Th that should be the final line. I'm about to go gospel on Apollo Crews because that's the gimmick that he's trying to go with, which I completely respect. But if he started from zero, builds up to that line, once he gets to 100, I'm about to go gospel on Apollo Crews. That, that will hold me. That will hold me. Not something that's going to make me want to move back from it. I want to be pulled in. And that's what will make me pulled in. 
And, and once again, I, I talked about Apollo Crews and his seg- segments and what he's able to do with him. He also has this sing-songy cadence, if you will, which is kind of gospel-y, and I get that. And But I want that to be built up. I don't want him to be sing-songy all the time. I want that to be built up. I'm telling you, the potential is there. And, I, and the main reason I have him on this worst list, because he's always at that 100 level, as I mentioned. He can get there. He can get to a better point where his delivery is more relaxed until he reaches the climax of the promo where we can see him in, in explode into that gospel character he so chooses which I'm completely fine with as well so uh, the potential's there the potential's there but I, I have him on this worst list and, and you know we, I could talk about plenty of other names that are really bad in the microphone like you know Nia Jax isn't really that good right now Shayna Baszler also think isn't really that great either uh, you know a couple other Guys in in AEW, I feel like struggle a bit as well on the microphone. Uh, Dominic Mysterio was really bad on commentary at one point as well. So you know, it's it, there's a lot of people you could talk about bad, but I I bring up Big E and I big up Omega because you expect a lot from these people. Big E, they're supposed to making him the next big guy coming in the next few years. You're supposed to be carrying this company along with Roman Reigns and and Drew McIntyre. Big E's supposed to be on that same level as them coming up. You know, he's he they're supposed to be propelling him in that direction. It's just that he he needs to work on that promo work for me. He's not there yet. Kenny Omega, he's supposed to be the god of professional wrestling, and I'm never gonna deny deny his in ring talent, but on the microphone, he just struggles for me. He and he has great moments, as I mentioned. He has those great moments, but it, they're just moments. I want a nice full promo that I can carry away something from instead of just one quote. And even though it's okay to have one quote here from time to time, the everything else needs to be at least substantial, not just muttering, which I feel like what comes from Kenny Omega. But as I mentioned with the word Shane McMahon Braun Strowman, that's just bad. That you know, that's just not good. And I think it's for everyone's it's it's fine to say that. It's just not good. Especially when we know that Braun Strowman, you know, he can be good. He can be good. We've seen him with Bray Wyatt. He can be good. But he needs someone to bring him up to that level, and Shane McMahon is anything pulling him down, which makes it very, very sad. Looking on to our next episode, Monday Night Raw is tonight, and we're going to find out what's going to happen next between Randy Orton and The Fiend. Hopefully, we get that story to continue, and also what's going to be next with Bad Bunny and The Miz. Uh, I know uh, you might cringe at me for bringing up that, but you know, with Damian Priest involved, he's supposed to be getting built up pretty big as well, so... We'll see what happens with Priest along with that. And also, we're also going to find out what's going to happen with Rhea Ripley uh, in this next episode of of Monday Night Raw. Hopefully, she gets to do some big things as well. And uh, her success in NXT hopefully carries over to the main roster, which we all all hope for any of the NXT call-ups on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown for that matter. But that's all for me. Remember to get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at Manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com using the code FANSIDED20 at checkout. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. And make sure you hit me up on Twitter because I want to hear what you have to say about who do you think is the best or the worst on the microphone. I am all ears. I I'm all ears for that, and uh, you, you can even disagree with me. If you think Kenny Omega is the best thing since sliced bread on the microphone, I might disagree with, definitely going to disagree with you there, but I want to hear your point of view. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.